If you're looking for success in the vacation rental industry, Heather Bayer and the team at CottageBlogger.com are here to show you that it's entirely within reach. Welcome to Vacation Rental Success, the show that features interviews with industry experts, successful vacation rental owners, and more, all geared toward helping you make it happen. Here's your host, Heather Bayer. Hello again, this is Heather at Vacation Rental Success, episode 92. And uh, got a bit of a cloudy day here today, um, and it's the last cloudy, cool day before apparently we head into a heat wave for next week and the Labor Day weekend. So it's going. It sounds a bit like a you know a last blast of summer is on the way to Ontario, but the leaves are beginning to change. And I went out early this morning for a run around six thirty. Uh, six thirty quarter to seven this morning, and it's quite amazing how much darker it is in the morning. It doesn't seem that long ago that I was able to get up and out of the door before six. And uh, and it's getting later every day now. But it was also feeling quite cool. And there's definitely a feel of fall in the air and there's some leaves falling down from the trees. And I, ca- I actually get really quite excited um, about the approach of fall and winter. Of course, we have our, our road trip coming up. At the end of uh, at the end of September, so only four four and a bit weeks to go before that commences. Um, that's when we we leave the office in the very capable hands of our office manager and the team, and Phil and I climb into the RV and head down to the US for six, seven, maybe eight weeks. Really depends on how you know how how it's how it grabs us. We, we've got some sort of schedule laid out. We're actually going to, we start off in Cincinnati for a couple of days and that's where we load up the trailer with everything we need for a few weeks. And then we usually go find a state park somewhere just to go and hibernate for 10 days, two weeks. And we found one in Arkansas this time near a place called Russellville. And I think it's a Dardanelle Lake State Park which looks really, really nice. And it's got some, it's got paved roads so I can go cycling. Uh, there's trails to go running and places to walk the dog. And we have a lakeside site and there's no Wi-Fi. So actually that's going to affect me big time. Um, I have yet to sort out my my mobile connection to make sure I can get um, a hotspot and hook up to the internet. Um, but I am intending getting all the podcasts uh, for the time I'm away recorded and uploaded before I go. So, um, so that's that's great because it's it's something I haven't done um, much in the past. Really, it's usually a day to day thing. As Matt Landau knows very well, when I call him up in a panic on Monday or Tuesday morning, say, "Matt, we've got to talk because I need an episode for tomorrow." Uh, he's always been absolutely fantastic in uh, in really stopping everything he does. So we just sit and chat for uh, 40 minutes or so. Um, but I'm going to be much more organized this year. Now, at the end of the road trip this year, I will be in New Orleans from the 25th to the 28th of October. Um, I'm highly delighted that I'm on a panel 
speaking at the Vacation Rental Managers Association conference this year, and and I'll be joining several other industry professionals talking about uh, owner acquisition and retention. So I would dearly love to get together with any listeners who are going planning on being at the VRMA. I mean, let's let's have a let's let's get together in a bar or go out to um, to dinner or lunch or something. Just um, we we will email me at heatheratcottageblogger.com. Let me know if uh, you're going and we'll have a meetup. I think that would be really cool. Now, I love going to the VRMA annual conference. I haven't yet got to go to either the East or the West conference, which is held in uh, in the spring, just because it's, you know, they, they fall at the time when we're at our busiest. Um, but I meet so many wonderful people, do some great networking. And, uh, and I love the keynotes. They're always, they're, they're always very stimulating, inspirational. And, uh, and I hope to do some podcasting, some interviews while I'm there, which would be very, very cool. Last year in San Diego, one of the first people I met when I got to the conference and, uh, and went to the meet and greet was the president of the Vacation Rental Managers Association, Ben Edwards. And I'm so delighted to have Ben as my guest on today's episode. Now, alongside being an incredibly experienced vacation rental professional, um, Ben is also the principal of Weatherby Consulting, which is a company that um, advises and consults with people who are thinking about either buying or selling a vacation rental management business. Now, you know, every so often we sort of toy with the idea, you know, I'm retirement's going to have to come at some point. And I think, well, maybe, you know, in, in the next couple of years, we'll think about selling the company. I guess it's got to happen sometime. You know, my business partner, Craig, and I um, do have this sort of succession plan. And we have a plan A, we have a plan B, we have a plan C. So that, uh, so that when the time comes, we're going to be ready to move on to the next stage of our lives. You know, it's going to come to all of us. And, and when it does, it's going to be a person like Ben Edwards, who we will go to see and ask for advice on, you know, how we go about this thing. You know, how do you sell this type of entity? And even when it's just a tiny one, where do you start? And consequent to that, what about somebody who's out there thinking about buying a business? How do you find out where there's a business to buy? How do you know it's viable? All these questions I'm going to bring to Ben. So without further ado, let's move on to the interview. So I'm delighted to have with me today Ben Edwards of Weatherby Consulting and also the president of the Vacation Rental Managers Association. Welcome, Ben. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you, Heather. So whereabouts are you, Ben? In the world, I'm lo- yeah, actually, I'm I'm located here in Destin, Florida. I'm sitting uh, at the worldwide headquarters of Newman Daily Resort Properties, which is my uh, uh, my mother-in-law's company that uh, she started uh, 30 years ago, and so I perform a number of functions within this company. So, how how long have you been with them? So, I've been with Newman Daily, gosh, going on two years now. 
Um, we moved up from Naples after selling my last uh, rental company, and, and I was contractually obligated to work for, for that company for, for a couple of years. So once we uh, worked out of that contract, we moved back up to, uh, to be closer to family. And so I, uh, I perform a number of roles uh, at Newman Daily, and uh, I get to fill in some gaps by, by doing some consulting, uh, among a few other things. So it's, it's really a it's a perfect scenario for me. So you've been pretty much immersed in vacation rental industry and hospitality industry for quite some time. So, so take us back a little bit to, to where, where it all started. A- absolutely. So um, I really think I'm one of the, the few people, probably not uh, in today's environment, but I'm one of the few people that really 15 years ago, I graduated college in, in, uh, in May of 2000. And in June of 2000, I started on a part-time project for Resort Quest International doing federal tax returns. Uh, I was an accounting major at the University of Mississippi. Uh, I'd moved to Memphis. I was going to go to law school. My father's a tax attorney and tax accountant. And uh, I was going to move back to uh, Middle Tennessee and practice law with my father and ended up taking this part-time job and I had no idea what vacation rentals were, but, but I, I soon figured it out that, that the place that we would vacation every year in Florida was a vacation rental. We just didn't call it a vacation rental. So we didn't realize that there was, a, you know, uh, there was nomenclature tied to the business. That being said, um, once, I, once I finished up with that project with Resort Quest, they offered me a full-time job. And I said, listen, guys, I'm, I'm going to law school and... Uh, three or four months, and they said, well, just take the job until then. Well, I think the week I accepted the offer from Resort Quest, the next week I went to Hawaii for two weeks. And, uh, you know, a kid that grew up in uh, just south of Nashville getting to go to Hawaii uh, with, a, if with an American Express card that Resort Quest paid, that was a, that was a pretty pretty fun deal. So uh, I got to travel over, over to Hawaii with a partner from Arthur Anderson, and, and what I did, uh, honestly, for the next three years for Resort Quest is travel about 90% of the time. Uh, I went to over 60 or 70 different resort locations doing internal audits, operational audits, uh, diligence on, on uh, acquisition targets, um, post-purchase price true-ups of recently acquired companies. I was an interim general manager a number of times when We'd have to go in and, and uh, uh, let someone go or what have you. But uh, after about three years of that, I, I landed down in southwest Florida where I oversaw Resort Quest's third largest company where we managed a little over 2,400 uh, homes and condominiums from the Sarasota area down to the Naples area. And, and so I did that uh, for a couple of years. We had a, a, a tremendous ex- success down down there there was a lot of opportunity to grow that business both from a top line perspective and from a EBITDA perspective so I, I had the opportunity to leave at that point in, in 2005 and with the help of an equity partner start my own company so we started a company uh, in, in 2005 and then from 2005 to 2010 we amassed about 1,100 properties, uh, and during that time, we, we bought back all of the operations that I used to manage down in Southwest Florida for Resort Quest, and, and then around 2010, we started executing a sell-off strategy. It's almost like uh, uh, we were 
climbing out of the economic recession and, and folks were, were, were wanting to, to spend some cash. So we were able to monetize some of these organic operations we had started or operations that we had bought for, for a song. And so over the next couple of years, we, we sold everything off. And as I mentioned earlier on the call, I was contractually obligated to work for, for one of the companies. And uh, that was about the time I got married and we had our first child. And you know, when you have kids, you got to get uh, got to get closer to those uh, those babysitters. So we moved back to uh, Destin, Florida, where uh, my mother-in-law and my 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 uh, wife's grandmother is. So we're back here, and um, I have the opportunity of, of working with Newman Daily. Um, it's a fantastic, uh, you know, long-standing, very reputable company, in, in uh, along the Emerald Coast of Florida, I own a. Uh, a long-term rental company that I've had for some time, uh, where we manage a little over 240 long-term unfurnished units, and then I'm uh, uh, a part owner. Uh, I have a, uh, another partner in in a business in California. I'm partner with Annie Martin and Sanctuary Vacations up uh, Sanctuary Vacation Rentals uh, along the Monterey Peninsula, and I'm very lucky to have her as a partner. And we have a great little business out there. So I spend. Um, yeah, generally three weeks out of the month uh, in in Florida, and then uh, go out to California for a few days, have a few meetings, and come back. Certainly sounds like um, Resort Quest did did something massive for you when they hooked you in and sent you to Hawaii. You, you know they did. Uh, I I, uh, I wasn't quite sure what that entailed, but I really enjoyed the work um, traveling with Arthur Anderson or Deloitte. Was, was truly a first-class education in the vacation rental business uh, mm-hmm. because, you know, the business in, 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 in its entirety is not, it's not rooted in um, process or procedure. So uh, I, I learned a, a lot of, of what to do in certain respects, and I think I also learned a lot of what not to do, which sometimes is probably more important. Yeah, so... Or with all this experience in in buying and selling of of companies and properties, um, so so you're now using that experience in in a consulting way. I, I am. I, I um, look when we moved back up from Southwest Florida. I was working for uh, I think the largest vacation rental company south of Orlando. We had over two thousand properties, and I was the number two person, vice president of that company down there, and. I had a had a very healthy salary. Uh, moving back up to Northwest Florida, uh, my my mother in law does extremely well, but uh, she 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 put it pretty pretty bluntly and said, "Hey, I'm not going to be able to pay you what you were making down there, so you're going to have to fend for yourself." And look, I love doing these transactions. I do a number of them every year. Um, they don't take away from from my role here at. at Newman Daily or or Sanctuary or or our other other business uh, they're 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 complementary and additive so um, I, I've I've worked on gosh Heather I should probably count this up at some point but yeah you know, uh, somewhere around just under a little over a hundred transactions um, and are, I, the, are uh, these with com- these, these are companies of of different sizes small large. You know, absolutely. I, I explain to folks that uh, I work on transactions from Maine to Maui. That could be a couple hundred thousand dollars, or they could be 
15, 20 million dollars. They, they, they come in all shapes and sizes. Well, I think, I think for anybody that's out there currently managing a vacation rental business, there's, there's always, you know, it, it's, it's good practice to have an exit strategy. So thinking in terms of what's going to happen in the future, maybe it's a five-year plan or a 10-year plan or, or even longer, um, thinking in terms of, of what's going to happen at the end. How do we sell a, How do we sell the company? Because and, and, you know, I've gone through this because there's going to come a time when Craig and I will be looking at maybe parting parting ways and and moving on as we as we, age doesn't stop <laughs> so right. we're going to get to the point where where one of us is going to say okay you know this has been great but it's time to to move on to another phase or, or just to simply retire but you know being in that position and thinking well however do we do this you know you don't sort of advertise it on craigslist you don't really want to advertise it to your competition so what, what should a, a vacation rental company think about when they're – where should they start, really, when they're thinking about selling? Well, you know, it's, it's interesting because there's, there's not a, a, uh, a direct pathway to, to selling a business. It's not it, – there, there is, but there isn't. I guess the point I'm trying to make is, is you don't have to, to do a 180 uh, in your business right now to, to get it ready for sale. The, the – the the best businesses uh, out there are 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 fantastic because they're run in a in a fair and reasonable manner. They're run with 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 you know where, where folks are making good business decisions. Well, the the tenets of, of of establishing a good vacation rental business are the same things you want to think about when you want to want to want to sell your business. So. Um, Running your business in a in a in a reasonable manner, having good financial reports, uh, good employees, uh, focusing on quality and service and and the things that that, that make you a reputable holder in your particular market, are the same things that prospective buyers look for when they want to buy a business. Uh, no no one wants to buy a business that has a bad reputation, bad reviews, uh, employees that are not service oriented and has uh, onerous uh, financial statements. At the end of the day, the 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 focus really needs to be on running a good business because it it, it really parallels uh, your ability to, to to sell it in the future. You've got a great blog post on on your website, um, which is titled "Exit Strategy: Ensuring Top Dollar for Your Vacation Rental Management Company." Well, of course, that's what I'm sure every company that's thinking of selling wants to do and you have seven steps there which you know it makes a really interesting read and i'll put that in the uh, a link to that in the show notes um number four on that list was tell a compelling story and you say when selling a vrm company the goal is to tell the success story of your accomplishments um your story makes a buyer compelled to pay top dollar can you elaborate on that a bit tell us what what this actually means what is what is the compelling story you know the story for for a lot of vacation rental managers is 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 uh, the reason why they got in the business in the first place. You know they enjoyed a destination, they loved that area, they wanted to be in that area. So so they 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 quit their jobs in Atlanta and they moved to the coast of Florida or or, or wherever it may be. So they talk about their plight as as a company to to give back to a destination 
and to other vacationers that had given them, you know, years of joy or what have you. Folks, folks like understanding your motivation for, for starting the business and potentially, you know, ultimately selling the business. If, if you wanted to sell your business and, and you told folks, well, I just want to make a bunch of money, that's not a compelling story. I mean, mo- most, you know, it's, it's fine if you want to capitalize on your investment. Uh, that, you know, that, that makes perfect sense. But, but doing it in a, in a, in a benign or, or, or bland manner uh, it doesn't or isn't synonymous with, with what, what, we, what we do in the hospitality industry. So, so explaining to folks how you created your company, why it's special, um, the, the relationships you created with homeowners or guests or employees really, really helps a prospective buyer understand the qualitative aspect uh, of the core of the company. Uh, and that, that's, that's really, really what I was getting at, number four. Mm-hmm. So it's not just about the bottom line. It's about how you get to that bottom line. It, it, that, that's exactly right. And, and, and at the end of the day, look, uh, transactions are not closed if, if the numbers don't make sense. But people that lead with how much money am I going to make or how much is this going to cost me, um, you know, that, that, that should, should be a sign of, of, of what's to come. In a, in a transaction, um, these these sellers that uh, that I, I work with a, a lot, uh, you know, the, the, the the folks that the, these sellers that that ask you know questions about how their their owners are going to be taken care of, how their employees are going to be taken care of, are the ones that have built these businesses that are absolutely fantastic because that's what they focused on for so many years, uh, and and the profits will come if you focus on those ancillary items. And I'm sure that uh, most sellers are, you know, I'm, I'm thinking in terms of, let, let's say I was doing this and selling my company. I know I'd be, it, it's, it would be a really hard wrench because I and myself and my business partner have been integral and operational in this company ever since day one. So you talk about relationships with owners. You know, we've got so many owners that are friends. We would be you know it's it's a bit like it's a bit like selling your house you want your buyers to love it like you did and to look after it like you did and look after your garden and tend to the plants so really that that's the sort of same thing i guess it's it's very similar and and so uh when i'm involved in a in a, in a transaction you know i really get to know the sellers and i know what's important to them i i I don't want to bring a prospective buyer in that I, I know is going to uh, synergize half the staff and roll the reservations department up to a, a central reservations facility uh, if that's not something they're concerned about. And so the, the, or if that's something they're concerned about. At, at the end of the day, you, you want to, you're, you're playing matchmaker. And in this business, you're only as good as your last transaction. You can have 50 great transactions, but if the last one goes poorly, then that, I feel, reflects poorly on me and my reputation. So what I want to be able to do is put people together that, that, that can carry on uh, um, you know, the operating style to a certain respect uh, of, uh, of the seller and, and make sure that those businesses remain intact. Uh, I think fundamentally what you're talking about is making sure that uh, it's the brass taxes, making sure owners don't leave the program. Um, so we want to make sure that we put these, 
transactions together in such a way that that there's continuity and there's not a disruption because not only does it disrupt you know the the the, the seller or the the buyer it disrupts the market uh and and that's not something that's good for the industry yeah i think that would be you know i'm going to move on in a minute to you know buying a company but uh, but certainly as if i was a buyer and buying a company that that would be my concern you know how if if i take over this company there's no ass- assets the o- the only assets are those contracts and how do we ensure that those contracts remain in place and you know once the deal is closed all these owners don't just go well wow now it's time to move on so i you know that that's got to be a a big part of the whole transaction it, it certainly is but for those of us that are in the business, we understand the business. I um, I had a I had a fella a couple of weeks ago actually that uh, wanted to do a structured deal, you know, based upon an earnout. And I explained to them that the seller preferably wanted cash at closing. Who wouldn't want cash at closing, right? Uh, and and so this prospective buyer says, you know, do you, you mean to tell me that you think you're going to be able to get? cash at closing on a business that has a 60-day out in the rental management contracts. And in a, in a professional tone, I said, yeah, absolutely. These businesses may pose some risks to, to folks that don't understand them, but for folks that get the vacation rental business, if you deliver on the revenue expectations and you service these properties the way owners want them serviced, you're, you're going to be able to, to, to maintain the, the consistency and continuity of the business. Now, if you come in and you act like a knucklehead and try to start wrenching on fees and, and, and um, raising rates, lowering rates uh, on fees, transitioning employees in and out, then, then that upsets owners. That upsets the balance in the, in the company, and you're going to have issues. But um, I think there's, there's enough transactions out there that have happened over the past few years that, that, that really dictate these buyers you know, they can tweak on the business uh, as they need to, to to get it in line with, with their overall operation. Big swooping changes are not good for the business, and you want to maintain that revenue stream. So you you don't uh, you don't uh, turn a business upside down after closing. So so if somebody comes in and buys a business and, and they're cold, you know, they, they don't have an experience in it, how, how long is – I mean, they do expect that the that the principles of the original business would would remain uh, in an advisory capacity or, or some sort of consultancy capacity for a certain amount of time, or even be employed by them. What? How does that work? You know, it's all across the board, Heather. It uh, on one end of the spectrum, I, I, I have uh, sellers that that will continue to run the business, and folks would say, "Well, why did they sell it then?" Well, they wanted to take some chips off the table, right? Maybe they're they're getting older and, and having, you know, their life's work tied up in, in a company that maybe they're, they're not able to devote all the energy they want to uh, moving forward. Then, then you see that the owner work his, his last few years in the business and, and really transition it over to, to a prospective buyer's new general manager or what have you. Now, on the other end of the spectrum, you know, owners, owners are out. But, but what, what I like to do in, in a lot of cases, if, if, if and where possible, is, is tie the owners to, to some semblance of a consulting agreement. So they're there. They, they, they're there to answer questions. They're there to talk to homeowners if they need to. But, but they're around if you have them. So I guess the middle of the road is, is this hybrid uh, consultative approach 
where they can uh, um, help facilitate transitional items. That that sounds like this. This is all part of the transaction. Is is the, there's no set way of going about it. It just happens between buyer and seller that they work out what sort of um, what sort of assistance they're going to need. You're, you're exactly right. The the concern uh, that, that sellers should have, depending upon the buyer, if you get if you get a, a prospective buyer in there that, that's trying to dictate terms and tell you how things work. Then, then you need to be wary of that. If 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 you have a prospective buyer that tells you that, well, you're required to work after closing for up to six months or a year, and that's part of the deal. Th- there's no rules whatsoever. There's no hard and fast. Uh, well, there, there's probably a few, but there's not many uh, that, that say you have to do X or Y in these deals, and that's why it's so important to get involved with with, with a prospective buyer. Uh, who, who's qualified, reasonable, and fair? Mm-hmm. Let Let's talk a bit about valuing. How does um, how How do you go about valuing a company that has little or no assets? Well, so uh, before I get into the valuation of it, let me let me ask you this: Can you tell me or find another industry where you can invest a dollar and that dollar will return twenty five cents? 20 to 25 cents annually. The point I'm trying to make is, is while, there, while there's not a, a, a plethora of, of uh, fixed assets lying around, the industry is a very lucrative one insofar as if, if you buy a business on four to five times earnings mm-hmm. and you invest a dollar, yeah. uh, for, for the sake of example, if you buy a business that makes $250,000 a year and you buy it for a million dollars, well, the next year, the business should make $250,000. Mm-hmm. And that's a 25% return on your money, which is a fantastic return. Yeah. So, you know, yes, there's risk. I, I, I guess I, I, don't, uh, I don't get into deals that blow up after closing, but um, the return is also there. So as far as valuing a business is concerned, these are very lucrative businesses. And the way you try, arrive at an, an EBITDA uh, earnings number is is basically taking revenues minus all cash expenses. We don't care about uh, non-cash def- expenses such as uh, 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 interest expense, depreciation, amortization, things of that nature. We only want to we only want to take into account those cash expenses. So when you get to that number, and let's go back to our other example. Now, let's say our, our number, our, our, our EBITDA, earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, amortization, is $250,000. Most businesses today are selling around four times that number. Now, if your business is perhaps not as well put together, if you've got a few rough spots in your business, it doesn't mean you can't sell your business. It just means you're probably not going to get four times earnings. You might get three and a half or three or something like that. In distress situations that I've been involved in, um, you know, we've we've done transactions at at two times earnings, things things of that nature. Now, the the converse is also true. If you have a a very well established older company with a consistent revenue stream and and contracts that have been on the program for for a long average life, then you're going to see that multiple elevate. And you're going to see it in the four and a half to five range. 
So there, there's a real opportunity uh, there if you if you run your business in a in a fair and reasonable manner to put together something that it's very attractive to buyers. Now, lastly, the point I want to make here relative to the EBITDA is is, is something that most sellers do not do. Most sellers do not adjust their EBITDA for sale purposes. So inherently, because we're all entrepreneurs, we're trying to lower our tax position. So you may have your personal vehicle running through the business. You may take a, a vacation through the business because you're scouting out a new location in Italy, right? I mean, that's that's how this stuff works. It It's almost comical, but that's what happens. So those expenses are not a pertinent to the operation of the business. So they should be added back. Mm-hmm. And that should raise the EBITDA. So if you have $50,000 of expenses not germane to the business that you've run through the business, in order to lower your tax position, those should be added back increasing your EBITDA and ultimately increasing the purchase price of the business. That's really well explained. And and it's interesting what you're saying there about that uh, that multiplier. It really goes back to what you were talking about earlier is preparing a business for sale many, many years perhaps before it's going to happen because you, you're, if the, the, the more healthy you make your business and – the great relations you're going to have with the owners and the longer they're going to be with you, that could have an impact on that multiplier. So, good listeners, you're going to notice a little bit of the change in the sound quality here because just as I got to this point in the interview, our uh, our cell tower um, that delivers our Wi-Fi uh, went down for routine maintenance, totally unannounced, and, and it was out for three hours. So, unfortunately... Ben was not able to stay in the office for another three hours waiting for me to come back online. And and now we're resuming the interview and Ben is in his car heading for Alabama. So the sound quality is going to be a little bit different. Um, you uh, you should still be able to get the uh, the great information that Ben's offering so far. And, uh, and over the next 10 or 15 minutes, just bear with us. Ben, thank you so much for joining me again. And I'm so sorry that, uh, that I just dropped out on you last night. No, no worries. Um, I'm, I'm uh, happy that we got to connect this morning. Okay, perfect. Um, so just moving on from what we were talking about, which was um, selling a business. I'd like to look at it from the other side just briefly. And how does you know what should a buyer look for when they're looking for a business and first of all this is what has always been of interest to me how does a buyer find out what's actually up for sale because i know that in in my area a couple of businesses i've known has changed hands um you know they have been bought and sold over the past few years and the only the only way we knew about it was when suddenly it announced a new ownership so if I'm an agency on the market to look for, uh, for, for growth and interested in buying um, another company, perhaps, or even wanting to start out and interested in buying a small agency, how do I find out that something's for sale? Yeah, there's really not a job board or, or, or listing mechanism for vacation rental companies. We, 
We operate these service businesses that are highly competitive and unfortunately become increasingly more competitive. Uh, so putting this out on, on the wire, so to speak, is not something that generally happens. What sellers want to do in, in this process, they want to find someone fair and reasonable to deal with. So to answer your question relative to how buyers find this out, it's, it's being fair and reasonable to your competition. Uh, you know, properties change hands, and, and uh, those folks that don't get too exercised about uh, swapping keys or reservations and are easy to deal with are likely successors in the market in which they operate. So, so that's an opportunity. Secondarily, buyers are sometimes chosen. Uh, they're, in, in my research, I will reach out to a number of qualified buyers within a particular destination and you know, have them sign non-disclosure agreements and, and offer uh, an opportunity to them. Um, I guess the third way is, is probably uh, um, uh, there may be less success in this, but you know, frankly picking up the phone and saying, hey, Heather, if, uh, if you ever decide to sell, I would be interested. So um, I think there's a, a number of ways, but I think it's uh, you know, making sure that you operate in a fair and reasonable manner will, will give you the, the opportunity to possibly be that that, uh, that that company to, uh, to to roll up or take over a competitor or, or or something along those lines. Now, if you're looking outside of a market, things of, of that nature, you may want to reach out to someone who who does this part. They may be aware of certain things uh, that that uh, maybe that the buyer wouldn't and could help facilitate um, uh, putting putting a transaction together. So, so I guess a company like yours, such somebody was looking, they could call you, and and you'd be more likely to know what was out there and what was potentially could come on the market at some point in the future. Yeah, absolutely. You know, in in that event, um, you know, I, I'm available to to have that conversation. I, I spend uh, most of my day on the phone, uh, giving gratuitous advice uh, relative to those subjects. So. Um, you know, I, I can certainly point uh, someone in the right direction. So, so just um, just segueing into that, what's the actual role of of a an ad- advisor in in this industry in the buying and selling process? You know, that, that's a good question. Um, yeah, I had the ability at a, at a very young age, in my early twenties, to travel around with with firms like Arthur Anderson and Deloitte and Touche at the time, uh, and, and really, really learn the diligence process, the acquisition process from a, from a very professional level. So I've, I've molded my process, uh, created my process somewhat after that, but, uh, you know, making, making changes. Uh, to, to further benefit uh, my, my clients. That being said, in the transaction process, frankly, you, you don't know what you don't know. And there's a number of aggressive solicitors out there, folks aggressively soliciting to purchase vacation rental companies. And, you know, they try to dictate terms or, or um, tell you that this is market when it's, when it's not market. And, 
and, and try to explain to you that you're better off taking a, a payout over time that's tied to future earnings or revenue and, and, and be susceptible to, to risk that you really, really shouldn't be susceptible to. Um, so I guess the, the thing that I, I pride myself in doing most is making sure that there's a fair and equitable playing field for all parties involved. And when someone tries to flip, uh, flip one past the goalie, so to speak, um, you know, we're, we're able to say, look, that's not market. That's not fair. Um, we were willing to do X, Y, or Z in, in that, um, in, in, with that issue. So I've done a number of deals and, and transactions. And, and so, uh, I can make sure the terms are, are market, uh, number one. Uh, but number two, any anyone that I work with on the sell side, uh, I can I can assure them that they will they will get a, a higher purchase price for the business. Uh, there's things that uh, even the best vacation rental managers overlook when trying to position the business for sale, and frankly, that's how I. I uh, uh, I'm able to make a little bit more money to put towards uh, uh, two two kids' college tuition. So uh, <laughs> uh, um, that's generally generally the the, uh, the high level process. Well, thank you, thank you for that. That's uh, that's that's a good insight. In fact, a great insight into both the sides of the coin here. Um, just just briefly, I I talked to an an owner. Uh, on one of our podcast episodes some time ago, um, his his name is Rob Oster, and he owns a number of um, uh, what he calls golf houses. He's built houses on golf courses, and he rents them as vacation rentals. So he's he's sort of I believe he's got five at the moment, and he's looking to grow to about eight. So when you're talking about buying and selling, we've been talking about agencies. Does any of this really apply to uh, individual owners who've perhaps got two or three properties of their own? So they have the assets to sell. So what, how, how can um, what we've been talking about relate to that individual owner rather than the agency? Absolutely. I mean, the process is very similar, but you're, you're, you're probably better off in that scenario instead of going to a – uh, regular real estate agents trying to sell the real estate, you're better off uh, finding an agent that maybe has a resort specialty or perhaps even a commercial real estate agent that, to help you with that endeavor. Uh, because you're selling, in, in, a, in a sense, an operating business. Uh, the business would come with, you know, a past guest list or maybe websites and some other ancillary uh, uh, assets. So it, 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 it follows a very similar process, but not the same process insofar as you've got the assets to sell. Now, in the vacation rental um, management business, the, the, the company level, you know, there's, there's owners out there that own certain properties. I have a few properties on one of our uh, rental programs. So, um, you know, I, I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't say that, that some of those vacation rental companies are are out of the question uh, when trying to position um, uh, those, those assets for sale. Uh, there, there, frankly, may be a, a tremendous synergy in doing so. Okay, great. Thank you. Um, we're, we're sort of wrapping up now, 
Ben, and I, I just want to thank you so much for for all the generous information you've you've offered. I think anybody that that's out there who is 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 just thinking about the future, big thing that I've got out of our conversation is that really from the moment you start your business, you start planning for the sale of it. Yeah, I think that's a fair statement. I think, I think you know, the same could be true um, by, by saying, you know, the moment you start your business, you want to run it in a, in a, in a prudent manner. Um, you know, the, the, the two are really synonymous. You want to make good business decisions. You want to have clean financial statements. Uh, you want to actually orchestrate and have a financial process. You actually want to produce financial statements on a timely basis. Uh, and, and, and folks in our industry are, are notorious because we're, we're a group of entrepreneurs and then so long as there's cash in the bank, uh, some, some managers out there feel like they're good, but, but they're, they're really not. And, and uh, so running your business in a, in a commercially reasonable manner is, is really, really the key, and, and that will put you on the track to, to sell the business. Now, there are some tweaks that can be made in the later years, uh, I'd say, uh, within 18 months of closing, probably, or, or maybe in a year from closing, uh, uh, that can be made to, to, to generate uh, more more value. So I spent some time with folks uh, um, uh, trying to help them uh, make those tweaks in order to further monetize the sale of the business. But, yeah, I, I think that's an excellent point, Heather. You, uh, you, you do, and I believe you're doing um, a similar presentation this year at the VRMA conference that you did last year on um, on this topic. Am I right on that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, doing that topic uh, a couple of different ways, but I also do a, a, a financial management and budgeting seminar. One that uh, is very near and dear to my heart. Uh, I know this sounds really awkward, but I really like talking about the financial side of these businesses because so many, so many managers are, are, are not, um, they're not doing, you know, just the fundamentally basic financial management items in, in their business. So, uh, it's something that we as an industry can get uh, a lot better at doing. And so uh, I'm doing that as well. Well, I will be there at both of them, and I'd encourage anybody who's out there who is not yet a member of of the Vacation Rental Managers Association to to join and to attend certainly the annual conference, if not the East and West conferences, which go on in the spring of each year. And just moving on from that, Ben, you are the president of the Vacation Rental Managers Association, um, and you've got a lot of insight onto what's going on in the industry. So finally, what are your predictions for, for the next year for this industry? Well, you know, the, the industry is, is uh, it, it's getting more competitive. And with that competition, um, you know, that, that, that breeds uh, you know, further awareness. And with the awareness, um, you know, some that, sometimes that publicity is good and sometimes it's bad. Uh, that said, I expect we're going to see more more onerous legislation uh, coming down the pipe. That's uh, uh, one thing uh, that the board of the VMA just finished their their, uh, their strategic planning session actually last week. 
uh, and that is the number one item that we are going to focus on uh, as an association. Now, shortly, I mean, uh, running a very close second is, is education. I mean, those are, those are really the two uh, cornerstones of the, the, the industry right now, but I, I think we, we all have to be prepared to unite under a common umbrella to, to combat this, this onerous legislation or we're, we're going to have issues. And this is not a, it's not a scare tactic. There's, there's nothing to gain from, from, from sounding the bell, so to speak. But we really need to lock arms as an industry and start pulling in the same direction because if we do that, our collective economic impact is, is really hard to fathom. So that's what, that's what makes sense when, when these city council people, local municipalities, statutory um, uh, efforts are, are made to, to uh, uh, frankly, try to put us out of business. So I, I think you're going to see the VMA. There's some things that, that we're working on that, uh, well, I think folks are going to be really excited about. We've had tremendous growth uh, since, since uh uh, I guess over the past two years since I've been on the board, they're um, growing to our largest level ever. Uh, so we're expecting a fantastic conference in New Orleans, and, and you know, really not a bad place to have a conference. I think that's the best uh, uh, food venue for uh, for us. Uh, I know my wife and I get over there quite a bit, and uh, I think I put on five pounds every time I go over there. But it's a it'll be a great venue, a fun time to network and learn. More about the industry. Well, I've I've never been to New Orleans, so this is a first for me. I can't wait. I'm so looking forward to meeting you again face to face, and just want to thank you so much, Ben, for sharing your time with me last night when we had better audio quality. But I I still think that uh, that what we've been able to cover this morning is uh, is has been absolutely great too. Um, how can people get in touch with you if, they, if they'd like to talk to you about any of the topics we've covered? You know, for vacation rental, VMA type things, uh, folks can email me at bedwards uh, at ndrp.com. That's Newman Daily Resort Properties.com. Or if you have a, a consulting question or maybe a question relative to buying and selling, you can check out uh, my website at weatherbyconsulting.com, and that's W-E-A-T-H-E-R-B-Y consulting.com. And all of my contact information is there, and um, I, uh, I'm happy to help any way I, I can. Um, uh, fortunately, unfortunately, I love talking shop, so uh, if you call, just be ready to talk. That sounds great, Ben. And in fact, I would encourage people to go to the Weatherby Consulting website and take a look at the blog because you post some, there's some really, really great posts on there. And, uh, you know, I, I've learned a lot from them. And I'll be putting links to, to that and every other uh, site we've mentioned will be on the end of the show notes. So, Ben, thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your drive to uh, Alabama. And I will see you at the end of October. That's uh, fantastic. Thank you so much for your time this morning. And thank you for your support of the Vacation Rental Managers Association. It really is the best. Thanks, Ben. I hope you were able to catch what Ben was saying in the second half of that interview, because despite the 
relatively poor audio quality because he was in the car uh, on a cell phone. And there was still such valuable uh, content in there. And, and I learned a huge amount from Ben. And can't wait to get to VRMA and go to uh, both of his sessions. Um, the one on financial management for uh, for vacation rental management companies is going to be really useful for me because I have a, a particular issue with with numbers. But for many many people, have the ordinary form of dyslexia, so which which affects their reading and uh, and writing. Mine is a number dyslexia, so. It, uh, it will be very useful for me to go and sit and listen to Ben because he does make things very, very clear. So a couple of things that Ben mentioned in the interview that, uh, that I will clarify in the show notes. He, he talked about the EBITDA, um, which is the calculation, the formula that, uh, that you can use to value uh, a company. And, and I found some, um, some really useful information on that that I will be including in the show notes. So that brings us to the end of yet another episode. And uh, and as I record this, we're about four weeks away now from our road trip, and it's uh, it is getting very exciting. Um, but it it's always on at the back of my mind that I do this road trip every year, and we'll come back at the beginning of November. Uh, after the Vacation Rental Managers Association conference, and then we are f- in full flow back into another rental season. You know, the bookings are going to start for 2016. Just like uh, hardly seems any time at all since last year. But soldier on, we will. We, we've had a fabulous, fabulous year this year. I hope you have too. It's It's been amazing for us. Um, we've taken on more cottages this year than we have in any other year and still they come i saw one new one today i've got three more to see this week the momentum is really rolling at the moment and it's very exciting and as uh, as ben said you want at some point some point in the future we may want to sell our company and my goodness it's healthy at the moment so um, i'm going to be learning a lot about how to make it even healthier and certainly seems to be uh, going in the right direction at the moment. So as ever, if you've enjoyed this show, I'd love you to go to the uh, show notes at cottageblogger.com forward slash VRS092 and um, check them out and then go down to the iTunes button, click on that and leave me a review. Uh, I do read those reviews and it's, it's lovely to hear the comments that people are making. But also, please email me directly at heather at cottageblogger.com if there's anything you'd like to ask or to feed back to me. I always love to hear from you. So for now, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to Ben. It's been an absolute pleasure being with you today, and I'll look forward to next week. This episode of Vacation Rental Success is over. But don't worry, Heather will be back soon. Want more great resources? Visit cottageblogger.com for tips, tricks, downloads, and strategies to help you achieve profit from your vacation rental business.